How's there we go? Do I have a good week? Yeah? Good. Me too. All right, let's pray and we'll kind of get into our message here. Father, we, uh, I, I want to give this message up to you, Father, because we want everything we do to be uh, honoring of you. So let uh, my words reflect your words. And keep from everyone's mind and memory anything that I may say that uh, does not reflect that. So bless this time that we will have together. give you thanks, and we give you praise, and we ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you find prayer to be boring? Now, I fully understand that very few people, if any, are going to answer yes to that question when they're in church. But, if the answer is really no, then it begs a follow-up question. Then why do we do so little of it? See, I believe a good part of the answer may be that all of us are stuck in a long, deep prayer rut. Pastor and author Daniel Henderson writes about just such a rut. He says this, the earliest memories of my struggle with prayer go back to my elementary school days. In those days, I had a serious drug problem. My parents drug me to the old-fashioned Wednesday night prayer meeting almost every week, especially when I had misbehaved. Perhaps they viewed it as a tool to reform me. To me, it was punishment. He goes on to describe a typical meeting in great detail which always began uh, with a listing of prayer requests. He writes, Unfortunately for me, it seemed like everyone in the country must have had an ingrown toenail, a slipped disc, a cousin with cancer, or a friend in financial crisis. Occasionally, some juicy gossip made its way into the conversation. Someone would suggest an unspoken prayer request for Deacon Charlie. Upon further review we discovered that Charlie had separated from his wife, Matilda. Soon the discovery, discussion uncovered the shocking news that Matilda was having an affair with the piano player's husband. The piano player was on the verge of suicide, another prayer request. No surprise, Charlie and Matilda were struggling because we then learned that their oldest son was a drug addict, their daughter was pregnant out of wedlock, and a third cousin on Charlie's side was a convicted car thief. Someone even suggested that their dog had rabies. The exhaustive requests continued until someone happened to glance at their watch and exclaim, oh, we're almost out of time. We better pray. Hurriedly, we would slide our folding chairs into smaller circles and start praying for the myriad of prayer requests. He closes with this. I hate to say it, but it seemed to me that if you took the words bless and be with out of their prayer vocabulary, no one would have had anything to say. The prayers commenced in systematic fashion as they went down the list. Bless this, bless that, be with him, be with her, and they seemed to pick up the pace as the final minutes of the allotted time ticked away. 
As we finished this flurry of blesses and be-withs, the group would break out in a rousing round of sweet hour of prayer. Today, I love this classic hymn, but back then, it sounded like a sanctified version of 99 bottles of beer on the wall. Can anyone relate to that? Has anybody ever been in a prayer meeting that sort of sounded like that? Well, what I want to talk about today is a positive alternative to this sort of grocery list form of praying, and it's called worship-based prayer. What is that? Well, worship-based prayer seeks the face of God before seeking the hand of God. God's face is the essence of who he is. God's hand is the blessing of what he does. God's face represents his person and his presence. God's hand expression his, expresses his provision for needs in our lives. If all we ever do is seek, seek God's hand, we may miss his face. But if we seek his face, he will be glad to open his hand and satisfy the deepest desires of our heart. This approach to prayer always begins with a focus on biblical, spirit-empowered worship. It's distinctively different from the traditional approach that emphasizes prayer requests and long list of needs as the foundation for prayer. Jesus taught a worship-based approach to prayer, and it's modeled by many of the people that we find in the Bible. It's always fuel, fueled by scriptural truth. Worship-based prayer ignites a desire for spiritual intimacy and personal transformation. In the discovery of these realities, a Christian is then empowered and enlightened to pray about issues and needs in a whole new way. Now, I want to be, before we talk really kind of about what worship-based prayer looks like, I want to talk for a moment about what worship-based prayer is not, okay? First of all, it's not worship-only prayer, all right? Biblical balanced prayer has many different expressions. It's not about restricting your prayer life only to worship, but about rekindling your prayer life as, uh, the from a foundation of worship in order to more fully enjoy and experience the other forms of prayer, confession, requests, intercession, and even warfare prayers. It does not eliminate requests. Our Father commands us and counsels us to call on Him, and He promises to answer. So requests are a vital part of prayer. However, requests without a proper foundation um, and framework can completely miss the mark. And so this concept of worship-based prayer helps us understand the context, the conditions, and the ultimate conclusion of all of our prayer requests. Worship-based prayer is not complicated. All right? Now, you may not be familiar with the term, but the approach isn't difficult at all. Ultimately, it's as pure as opening your Bible and your soul in spirit-led communion with Jesus and allowing him 
to set the agenda for every prayer time that you enjoy. It's also not a new method of prayer. And while the discovery of it has been fresh for many people in this generation, it's an approach to prayer that's every bit as old as the scriptures. And so the scriptures are where we will begin our journey today into worship-based prayer. And we're going to look at the model prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. So if you have a Bible and you want to follow, we're in Matthew. This is chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. We also have it up on the screen for you. Most of you will probably have heard this at least once or twice before in your life. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. All right, you've all heard that. But here's the thing that you may or may not be aware of. Jesus wasn't teaching them what to pray. He was teaching them how to pray. This is not a prayer in and of itself, even though the church has made it so. Right? And, and ultimately, there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't believe that's what Jesus intended at all. And so what we have to understand is that if we want to pray the way that Jesus prayed, then we've got to understand the pattern of prayer that he was teaching to his disciples. So what is that? What is Jesus' pattern of prayer that we see modeled here in this scripture? Well, the pattern is pretty simple. It's reverence, response, requests, and readiness. You could also think of it as upward, downward, inward, and outward. Everybody think I just blessed them? <laughs> in the Catholic Church, I think we called that forehead, belly button, wallet, watch. All right, enough foolishness. So we'll start out with this very first verse. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay, what is this? Well, this is this upward stroke of reverence, right? In the pattern of prayer that Jesus gave his disciples, he instructs us to begin with reverence, this upward focus of worship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be your name. And so in keeping with Jesus' instructions, prayer begins with the character of God. As we take time to focus our entire being on the wonders of who God is. We know that as a father, he's caring, he's intimate. As the one who's in heaven, he is transcendent, he's holy, he's separate. And so striking this perfect balance, Jesus teaches us to draw near to God in assurance and with awe, in heartfelt intimacy and holy imagination, in adoration of the God of all creation. Speaking of the priority of this first element of prayer, one writer says that this focus calls for us to think about God and in particular his name. So our prayers are, be to, are to be suffused at this point with large thoughts about God. We're to magnify the attributes of God, which are suggested by his various names. If our prayers are not focused on God, we're guilty of idolatry. 
Because we're putting someone or something else in God's place. A.W. Tozer is one of my favorite authors, and he said it famously. He said this, What comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Wow. Read that again. What comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And the most portentous fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he in, in his deep heart conceives God to be like. So spending quality time with an open Bible, and that's really what this is all about. We start our prayer time with an open Bible. We talk about scripture-fed prayer. That's really all it's talking about. And so we find a passage of scripture that perhaps has some of the names or the characteristics of God. And so we start here in praising God. That's the starting point. That's this upward stroke of reverence. And so as you, as you will discover, this rivets our entire being on his name and it sets our hearts on the glory of God, which is the goal of our prayers. Not only is our reverence a springboard to intimate, biblical, extended worship, but it's a vital exercise, or it's vital to the exercise of real faith and prayer. Hebrews 11:6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if we don't spend time at the outset diligently seeking God, it's almost like, well, how dare we ask for something? Consider that all our praying may not please God if we do not pray in the faith that comes from the word of God. And so this upward start puts our hearts in full attention and awe of who God is and assures us of his character and his commitment to reward us as we set our hearts to seek him, not just things from him. Okay, so the first element of worship-based prayer is the upward stroke of reverence. Then we come to the phrase in Jesus' model prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now this is a downward stroke. So we go up and then we come down and the downward stroke is our response to who God is. So now we're going to respond to the character of God. And so this, this part of the prayer really involves yielding uh, con our control to that of the Holy Spirit and, and really recommitting ourselves to God's kingdom purposes. It's a time of introspection. It's a time of surrender where we're just kind of yielding ourselves to whatever the Spirit might be prompting. It's a season pl of pledged obedience to the will of God and of desiring the accomplishment of his purposes in our lives. Scottish writer Robert Law said, prayer is a mighty instrument, not for getting man's will done in heaven, but for getting God's will done on earth. 
And Warren Wiersbe explains that this moment of prayer involves the devotion and dedication of our entire being to Jesus as we eagerly anticipate seeing him. And so this part of the prayer just involves praying with obedience and surrender to Jesus. And it was, it was Jesus, after all, that said, not my will, but yours be done for the sake of the Father's glory and for kingdom purposes. So first we go up and then we respond. So reverence, response. The next part of the text that we come to is verses 11 and 12. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now we're going inward. We're, now we're ready to express trust in God for the needs of our lives by way of our requests. Right? This is where we get to ask God for the things that uh, he has prompted us for. And in fact, we might really not even know what to ask for until we've gone through these first two phases of this prayer. Because what we've done in those first two phases is really kind of come into spiritual alignment with God, with who God is. And so now that we're properly aligned, we can come to the Father with our requests. And so give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors or trespasses in some translations. But this invites us to pray about the resource and the relationship issues of life, right? If you look at the average prayer list, chances are very good that you could probably lump the requests on the list into one of two categories. It either involves resources, whether they be physical, spiritual, emotional, whatever, or it involves relationships, either our relationship to God or our relationship to someone else, right? So it's typically going to be those two things. And so uh, it's interesting because Jesus, in his great wisdom, knew what our journey and our struggles were going to be. And so we now have this segment of being able to trust him with all of these inward matters, and it allows us just to lay it all out before him. And see, praying about daily bread is more than hoping we can get enough money together to go buy a bagel at Panera. It, the idea represents all that we need to sustain life as we serve God. So, it, you know, in a way, it's really not a time of informing God of our needs because, as Matthew 6, 8 says, he already knows what we need before we ask. It's more of an expression of just cons conscious trust in God as the perfect definer and provider of that which we need, right? So it involves prayer about personal concerns, about family and friends, about our daily circumstances, even ministry matters. See, relationships matter to God. This is not a faith about anything but relationship. Our relationship to God. And so as the Word and the Spirit are working in us and lead us into prayer according to the will of God, we're going to be compelled to evaluate the relationships in our lives to make sure that we have a clear conscience and that all of our relationships are aligned properly. So this is what's addressing these inward realities of our heart. 
um, and allow us to align our heart with the heart of the one who is the God of, of all things. And then finally, verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so now we're going outward. So up, down, inward, and now finally outward. And this outward stroke really is reminding us it's, it's about readiness. So we have reverence, response, requests, and then finally readiness. And you can tell a preacher came up with this because they all start with the same letter. Preachers love alliteration. It just sounds great when you say it. So it's clearly someone came up with this, was, uh, had gone to seminary. Um, See, the time comes when we've got to get out of our chair, get off our knees, and go out into the world. And so this part of the prayer is what gets us ready to re-enter the war zone. We have to be battle ready. And we, we don't like to talk about this in the church. We don't like to talk about the fact that we're in the midst of a battle. It's a spiritual battle. And it's going on all the time. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and um, a guy made a, a statement that I really had to stop and think about. But he said, when you have negative thoughts, where do those come from? Exactly. Exactly. They don't come from God. They don't really come from you. I mean, who would think negative thoughts about stuff if, they, you, know, if you had a choice? Well, I don't think any of us would. So cl clearly it's the enemy that is sort of influencing that. I don't know how that works. I just know that, that that's true. And so we've got to be battle ready when we get off our knees. And so when we pray this idea of do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, we're recognizing our own inability to overcome the temptation and the snares of, of our daily lives. And so what we're doing here is we're entrusting that warfare to the one who is our victor. If we borrow from the great spiritual combat text of Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, we prepare our hearts and minds to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might as we put on the whole armor of God to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so as we come to this concluding moment of, of prayer time, we embrace the responsibility that we're supposed to be praying menaces to the devil. See, prayer is not an escape from the battles of life. It's a great equipping to fight them with a supernatural power. The very fact that we are seeking God's face and engaging in this kind of life-giving prayer alerts the enemy to our increased threat to his dominion. See, when we pray, we're picking a fight with the devil at a whole new level. But it's why we're here. See, we're not supposed to cruise along on some luxury liner until Jesus comes back. We're supposed to stay actively engaged. We're, we're all in, in our own form of a search and rescue mission. Because this is a global spiritual battle and we're supposed to try and find and rescue those that have not found their way out of it yet. 
It's a battle for the hearts and minds of people. And I don't think there could be any clearer picture of it than if you just look in, you know, look at the news. This has got nothing to do with the election. This has been going on and it just for you know decades and it just keeps getting worse. I'd like to leave you um, with a quote by Eugene Peterson. Uh, Eugene Peterson is the one who put together the message translation. And Eugene Peterson said this, prayer is dangerous. It moves our language into the potencies we are unaccustomed to and unprepared for. We restore prayer to its context in God's word. Prayer is not something we think up to get God's attention or enlist his favor. Prayer is answering speech. The first word is God's word. It's time for all of us, for our prayer life, to change from a five-minute check-in call to the joy of seeking God's face. And I believe that this is a change that everybody desires. And it's a change that everybody can experience. Now, this is actually a, a really long commercial <laughs> for our prayer time tonight. If you want to dive more deeply into this and, and understand what this looks like and, and how you really do it, um, I would encourage you to come tonight at 6.30. We're going to be here for an hour, hour and 15 minutes. If everybody gets here on time, we can, well, we can achieve that goal. All right, so 6.30, we'll, we'll leave no later than 7.45 if we can uh, at all help it, unless Holy Spirit just lays us all out and then who knows. But this is something that we're going to start doing on the second Sunday of every month. We're calling it Fresh Encounters. And so what I'm going to do tonight, since I've already gone over all of this, you know, sort of the background information about it, I'm going to go through a very short example of what this would look like, and then we're just going to do it. We're, pick, we're going to pick a text. I've already chosen something from the Psalms, and I'm going to have, you're not going to be totally on your own. We've got some prompts that will help you as we kind of go through this, but we're going to learn to do this together. And so I just really want to encourage you to come because I feel like that this is, a, this is the direction that I, I just know in my heart that God has been leading us as a church toward. And that if we will step into this, that if we will sort of take this seriously and really turn our hearts towards this, he's going to do amazing things with this church. I guarantee it. Right? It's, but, but it's about putting him first. And that's what we're going to start doing tonight in a, in a, very, re in a very real way. So, I uh, just encourage you to come. So, Father, we just thank you for uh, this word that you've given me. That uh, it is one that provides great encouragement to all of those who have heard it that you would pique the curiosity of those who may have never thought about prayer in this way, that they would 
desire to come and to find out more about how they can do this, how it can be part of their everyday life. That we can pray this way every day and make this connection with you and walk away from that time not just feeling like we've accomplished a, a checking a, a box that we've prayed today, but that we have really opened up a flood of living water that flows out of us. So I give you praise and thanks for that, Lord. And now we take a moment to celebrate communion. And if you are... Uh, new with us there should be a little cup and uh, wafer in front of you in the chair in front of you or perhaps behind you <laughs> um, and so i'm going to bless the elements and then we're going to share communion together all right so we recall now that on the night that jesus was to be betrayed he took bread and he asked his heavenly father to bless it and then he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, Take this all of you and eat, for this is my body given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And then later when the supper was almost over, he took a cup. And again he gave you thanks and praise. And he asked his father to bless it. And then he in turn gave this to his disciples. And he said, Take this all of you and drink. For this is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, blood that was shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. So whenever you eat of this bread or drink of this cup, do so and remember me. Lord Jesus, we do remember you now as we prepare to take this meal that reminds us not only of the sacrifice that you made, but of your great love for us. And so we ask now that you would consecrate this simple meal in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that you would make it to be for us your very body and blood. We give you thanks and we give you praise and we glorify and magnify your name. The body of Jesus given for you. and the blood of Jesus shed for you. Pastor Chip, are you ready? Ask Pastor Chip to come and sort of close us out today. Amen. What an amazing message. An amazing insight to prayer. Let's just wait on the Lord. Oh, good. I was hoping they wouldn't put the green light on me. I don't, I don't look as, as good in green.